Kia ora tato, no mai harimai. Wade Manson here from Sport Gisborne Tairawhiti, and you're listening to our podcast, The Sideline Yak. Today on the show, we chat with Sydney Andrews, a judo athlete and Commonwealth Games bronze medalist. Because I, I like nerves. I love to be nervous. I love that like rush it gives you. Sydney started judo when she was five years old and has rapidly made a name for herself on the national and international stage. Relocating to the United Kingdom, Sydney is now based out of Camberley Judo Club, one of the UK's top judo clubs. Her grit, determination and drive has provided some outstanding results. Along with her bronze at the Commonwealth Games, her latest efforts saw her create history by being the first New Zealand judoka to medal at an International Judo Federation Tour event, a bronze medal at the Zagreb Grand Prix. Sydney shares with us her love of the sport and the values that judo brings to her. We discuss the Tairawhiti Rising Legends program and how it has had a positive effect on her career. We talk about the processes she takes to prepare for matches, looking after the mind and how rest and recovery are key areas of focus for her, and how, more importantly, taking that time to just be herself. Sydney describes what it was like to win the bronze medal at the Commonwealth Games and also reflects on her results for this year and what the future looks like. This is an insightful journey into the life of Sydney's career her challenges from school days to her history-making achievements on the world stage. Now, at the age of 21, Sydney has her sights firmly set on the Olympics, and 2024 looks to be an exciting year. As always, please share this far and wide, and if you like this show, feel free to rate or review it. Na mihi o te Happy New Year, and thanks to all our listeners. See you next year, we will be back with more sporting personalities from right here in Te Tairawhiti. Kia Welcome to the show, Sydney. Awesome to have you here. One thing that we do when we start the show is we get a bit of an origin story, like mm-hmm. uh, where did it all start? Are you able to share with us what sport looked like for you when you were younger? When I was younger, yeah. Um, so I've always been the very sporty kid. I've done a lot of other sports besides from judo. So I've done like netball, basketball, cricket, softball, hockey, all those type of sports, as well as judo, obviously. But I feel like none of them really, like, clicked for as much as me as, like, judo did. I was more myself at the judo club. It was somewhere where I could just be me and, like, not have to worry about outside the walls or anything. And when you start it at, like, super young, like I did, like I started judo when I was five, and I just turned 21. So like that's 16 years of my life. Just feels like it's just flown past, to be honest. Yeah, I'm actually also just quite lucky to be also to be able to do all the sports as well and to have the opportunities when I was growing up to be able to do all that is also quite neat. When would have judo become the sport, like when you said, would have said, no, this is me, like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm investing all my time and effort into this sort into of, judo. Yeah, yeah, what age would have that been? Maybe year 10 or year 11, like quite, not late in the game, but I was doing netball as well during high school. But then uh, that's when I was kind of like, oh, probably should just focus on one sport just because 
with netball you could hurt your ankle and then you know your feet are really important in judo so it's like what one do I love more and obviously I've loved judo my whole life so I picked the one thing that I also felt like I was naturally better at not saying I'm naturally great because it's taken so much hard work to get to where I am but I feel like I just have more of a passion and just like an actual just love for the sport. What is that love? What was the trigger that really made you go, yep, this is me, I'm investing in everything into judo? Maybe when I was getting results. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, I don't, like, that's quite a good question because just over the years, it just grew stronger and stronger because I was doing more time with it. I feel like so with time comes with more love and then because I feel like that's with also like normal things when you do something for a longer amount of time well it depends on what you do but I feel like you would fall in love with it every like more and more each day you know maybe like that's what relationships I don't know but judo is a relationship really it's been my commitment since day one like that's the only commitment that I've ever known but to be so committed that I feel like it it shows that determination that I have for it and it all kind of connects into one, I feel. No, love it. It's cool. What is it about judo in itself, the sport, and um, what, are the, what are the values mm-hmm. that judo brings to you? It's very, like, disciplined. It's a very disciplined sport. That's probably why my parents put me in there in the first place, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like that's kind of, like, one of the main things. Definitely, you know, discipline, teamwork. Like, even though it's an individual sport, you're still surrounded by teammates who are also doing it. So it definitely builds that type of character to be able to work as a group, even though you fight individually. Do you get what I mean? Because it's not like rugby and football and all that, because you are on a field as a team. But when you're out there on a mat, it's just yourself. But to get to on the mat, you've got to work with other people in your training that's also kind of another value are you able to just for our listeners Mm -hmm. just give a brief maybe description about judo itself like in terms of the sport like what Mm -hmm. what's involved in it and yeah um, yeah and how how you compete so judo in english i guess you could say means the gentle way so it's one of the gentler martial arts it's definitely not gentle at all (laughs) There's arm bars, strangles, you get thrown straight onto your back. Like it's not gentle at all, but it's not like punching and kicking, which I think I like. I like just, you know, throwing people instead of having to strike. And I'm not trying to like, you know, down on the other martial arts, but judo is definitely up there with being one of the most hardest, most athletic sports probably in the world like it's very hard on the body so you're like trainings you think you're fit then you come to judo training and then you just get absolutely humbled because you'll be shocked with how the trainings are but like do you want to like how like the fights work on like well just yeah yeah, yeah even maybe just a little bit around that so an ipon is like if you basically throw them straight onto their back which you win Straight away, fight's over. You can get an ipon as well by armbar or like strangle. So if they tap, then that's an ipon as well, which is 10 points. And then you have a rosari, which is half, it's one point, And you can get that by them landing on their side. 
like if they've landed on like one side of their shoulder and then to win with if you've got a rosari you can get another one and then that you've won so two rosaries equals in a pawn and that can kind of work in your favor and that can kind of not work in your favor because yeah it's very strategizing like when you're out there but there's also um shadows which are like yellow cards you break a rule which there's so many rules now so it's very easy to get a shadow in judo you get two yellow cards and then if you get a third the other player wins by Han Sokomaki there's been many times where I've been on two shadows but then still somehow got the win because I was keeping up with my attacks I wasn't breaking any rules but you definitely stress out a little bit when you're in that situation because then the other player, if they're like strategizing enough, they can easily give you that other shadow if you kind of get what I mean. Because if you step out of bounds, like out of the mat area, you can get a shadow if you're not attacking. Like if you're not actually going in for attacks, you can get a shadow if you're gripping too much like if you're just going like that way too much Mm. then you can get one you can't grab the leg like even if you like if you grab below the belt you can get a shadow there's there's a lot of like (laughs) there's so much going up in my brain with all i feel like more and more you do it though you you remember because muscle memory and all that type of stuff kind of works in with it yeah well, let's go that way in terms of the, the mental focus mm-hmm. within judo. Do you have a process that helps you with your trainings and your matches? Like as you say, there's so much that you've got to know, like rules mm-hmm. and things and strategy. And I suppose looking at what you do to train the mind leading up to competition day, that helps you the most. Staying positive. You can get really negative in your mind that is one thing that I've learned with many courses that I've done and sports psychologists that I've seen is that you just got to, you're basically having a battle in your brain versus positive thoughts and negative thoughts because you always, even in day to day life, you always have like the what ifs, you know, like, oh, what if I lose or what if this and that? But then it's like, you shouldn't be thinking like that. You need to be like, I'm going to go out there and win. I'm going to go out there, give it 110%. But it is, it's not as easy as just saying that though. Like it is a, it's a battle to just actually keeping positive and not letting the negative thoughts win because it's also to do with the whole confidence and like believing in yourself. And that can be hard too if you're not getting the results you want and you're putting in all that hard work and training and then you're not seeing results. You, you do kind of go down a little bit of a path where you think, you know, what am I doing wrong, this and that. But it just comes down to the day at competition. Like, you could be the best in the best, but then still lose first round because it just comes down to how each player is feeling, how you've prepared, how you, your brain is working, and all that kind of just, like, works into one when it comes down to actual comp day. But then is that right before I go out to a fight, I'm literally just – I've – done a bit of study on like my player just so I know when I'm going out there I'm not going to just be blank so because there's also like a lot of videos on people online um on like the 
IJF website that you can like look back and watch so you can see if they're a left-hander, a right-hander, what are their favourite throws and you're kind of like working in your mind like it's kind of like visualisation. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I said that right. That's a big part in judo. Everyone would probably do that because you want to know how like the fight's going to work out if they do something wrong or if you do something wrong how you're going to fix that. Your brain is just wired all the time, which can get very draining and very exhausting. After a comp, that's when like rest and like recovery are so important. I definitely make sure I rest and I take that recovery because you just need it. Otherwise you'll burn out and then you don't want to burn out, you know, like you just got to, it's a balance. Are there any techniques or anything that helps you with the mental preparation, even like, as you mentioned, the visualisation? Like, mm-hmm. are there any techniques that you have that help you, that for our avid listeners out there? <laughs> you know, breathing is an important, like, it slows down your heart rate and it makes you kind of zen-ish if you've got, like, good technique with your breathing. You know, people do it with reading books. You know, you visualise what you're reading mm-hmm. in your brain. You just kind of close your eyes and you just, like, you know, put together what things would look like or it comes with a bit of, like, dreaming. I feel like if you're a good dreamer or you, you want something, you can kind of just picture that in your head. If that's been at the top of the podium, you just close your eyes and you just picture yourself doing that. Like, I don't know how... I'm not saying visualisation just came to me because it didn't, but it just took it just years of just knowing what I wanted and what I saw for my future kind of helps. But, God, I mean, I'm not an expert. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wish I was, but just human, really. That's one skill you kind of just learn when you get older. Yeah. Yeah, nice. I like it. That's cool. Obviously, you mentioned you prioritise rest and recovery. Mm-hmm. What does that look like after your main competitions? And even, I suppose, your trainings, is there a difference between your rest and recovery? Do you do anything in particular that helps? During rest, during trainings, I, I kind of just do the things I like to do. So I love movies. I'm the biggest movie watcher ever. I probably should be doing my admin or you know important stuff but I'm really just watching Netflix or scrolling on TikTok I'm not really chatting to many people because of the time difference but like obviously I'm mingling with the people I live with or just being me Mm. I guess and I think that's the most important part about it is like you need that balance of sport life and normal life otherwise you will go crazy so I feel like that's how I prioritise that during in, in between trainings. And even weekends, I mean, I'll still do a little bit of active recovery if that's just like going for a walk or maybe going to the town, walking into town, doing laundry, just doing like day-to-day normal things because trust me, the amount of laundry a judo player has to do is ridiculous. <laughs> it is I'm just doing washing every day pretty much. That's my judo gi or that's just my gym clothes. It's, it's, I'm pretty much just a laundry (laughs) all the time, literally. But then with the rest that comes like after competitions, I never really like to leave on comp day. I like to just go back to my hotel room because I know in the morning. I'm going to be very fatigued 
you have no idea. You think even if you just have the one fight, if you don't make it onto like more fights, you're still very sore the next day. And I think that kind of like has to do with like the adrenaline, how much you slap yourself before a fight because I'm waking all my bones up and my muscles up before the fights. I'm in a lot of pain <laughs> in the morning. So I definitely like to just go back to my room and just have a nice sleep and not have to stress about going to an airport because that is the last thing I want to have to do after a competition day. And I hate airports. When you travel a lot, you know that that's the worst part of the travel. Like some people like it. I mean, all for that person, but you really, you learn to hate them because <laughs> you get the delays, the long layovers, like the security. It's, but then the next day I'm usually, sometimes I might stay in that country for like the day and just like explore a little bit, make the most of my journey because everyone does always ask that question. Do you actually get to see where you get to go? And I'm like, I, I make the most of what I can do. Obviously, I'm probably not going to go out and do expensive activities, but I do like to look at the architecture and maybe the parks or, you know, just make the most of wherever I've gone. Mm, yeah. I think that's very important. It's nice. I, like, from what I'm hearing is, like, you, you seem to be able to balance that, the competition and the sports side of things, but mm-hmm. then also just being yourself, being Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just having that time, I think that's quite a good reflection in terms of that rest and recovery is just having that time for yourself to be able to, mm. to do that. It's nice. It's really good. Yeah. If you're just judo, go, 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 go. That's when, like, I guess I said earlier, like, burn out or you won't really learn to love the sport anymore. It'll just become like a job. And I don't want that to ever happen. Staying within that mental side of things and, like, uh, you mentioned before around how you were slapping, like, your legs and all Mm -hmm. that sort of stuff. And I I watched a couple of videos of you, like, um, Commonwealth Games and... Slapping my face. <laughs> there's the hat, yeah, and then there's the, the yelling. Like, yeah. there's always the, the yelling the that comes yeah. out. Is mm-hmm. that part of the sport, like the yelling, or is that just a, a psych out the opponent, or is that just something that you've developed yourself? Or mm-hmm. what? What's, tell us a bit more about that. So the yelling, is it's called ki, which you use mainly if you're doing a throw because it brings the inner core strength when you do it. I had a coach, Kiki Estoridi, she loves the ki. That's who I got it off because she was my coach when I was younger and so was Jason King, but, like, she was the ki queen and now I'm I'm a bit of a screamer now myself, even when it's just bowing. It's not to psych them out. I mean, if it does, win-win, but it's more for me to just show them that I'm ready, I'm there not to mess around it's to wake myself up, right, to be like, ah, let's go. This is now or never. And then the slapping, yeah, that's also, <laughs> that's also just to wake myself up and get in the zone and be like, you know, again, like now or never, you just got to go out there and leave it all on the mat. And it's just a routine I do now. Like I don't even really think about it. A lot of people do it, you know, in the mm. judo world. A lot of, a lot of players sometimes scream. Not a lot of them before the fight, but a lot of them during the fight if they're trying to do a throw. I like my coach to give me a good old pat down on the back. Right before I can't exactly pat myself on the back, so that kind of wakes you up as well. 
yeah, it's kind of just whatever what you feel like is going to be your wake-up call, mm. you know? Whatever's going to get you in the zone. And sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes at a competition, you might be doing everything you usually do, but somehow you can't get in the zone. I don't know. That's just how I've definitely felt like that before. Sometimes where I've like, I've done everything right. But some reason I'm just not feeling how I usually feel, which is nervous. And if I'm not feeling nervous, I'm like, what's wrong with me? Because I, I like nerves. I love to be nervous. I love that like rush it gives you. Cause it's just like, I feel like it's kind of a part of like the adrenaline rush. It, like if you're not nervous, then it's like you think you're just going to. I don't know. Even the best players in the world get nervous because, as I said earlier in this chat, you know, it comes down to the day. You could be the best and best and then stuff up, make a mistake. We're all human. We all make mistakes. It's just part of being life. I mean, sometimes you don't want to make that mistake in that time, but it happens. You move on. You just you work on it during trainings and then you just hope you don't make that same mistake. Yeah, exactly. Now, you mentioned a couple of your coaches there. Who are your, or even are your influences? Mm-hmm. And is there anyone that stood out for you in your in your career so far? A lot of my coaches I've had in my career so far, I definitely look up to them. So that would be Jason King, Esther Reedy, who also goes by Kiki. I have a coach, my coach in England, Luke Preston, He's a, I definitely look up to him quite a lot because he's been in the very competitive background to have people at that level of coaching, like Luke Preston, to believe in you and to support in you as well as all these other people in the judo club. It's nice that he makes time and makes effort for all of us. So no one's been favoritized, no one's this and he he really I mean, Luke Preston, he's he's a bloody legend. You know, he's he's a really great guy, great coach. Everyone just respects the guy. You don't wanna you wouldn't wanna miss with him. Yeah, he's just a very good coach to have in England and to be there and to believe in me, which is really nice. And I even um they had their end of the year prize giving back in England two nights ago and I got a an award for nice. the Commonwealth Player of the Year, which is pretty cool. And I think as well I was the first ever person to get that award. So it must be like a new award and I was the first person to get it, wow. which is pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So I was like, wow, what a good end of to my weekend because it's been a good weekend. So I was like, yes, awesome. So if you look back at Kiki and Jason, mm-hmm. they were, you would have been coached by them for quite a few years, I'm guessing. Like if you started when you were five, heading yeah. all the way through to basically when you're sort of headed overseas. Yeah. Have they had a big influence on you in terms of the love of the sport? Is there anything that those two have done in particular? Yeah. My first actual ever coach was Clayton. He coaches the Peewees. So I was with him for two years up until then I go into the junior class, which is what Jason and Kiki took. Kiki doesn't coach here anymore. She lives in Taranaki. But when she was here, she was also helping Jason with the kids' classes. And, yeah, that's why I could be myself because Kiki was 
she was crack up. Jason would ask a question to the class, to the group, and she would whisper to me saying something like toothpaste. And I'd put my hand up and I'd say toothpaste. I was just such a gullible. <laughs> I, and I didn't get in trouble for that. Kiki took the blame because Jason knew it was Kiki who was telling me to say that. But I just, yeah, I think they definitely helped with making me want to keep coming back. A lot of it always has to come down to the coach. If the coach doesn't make it fun or doesn't make time for each student or they're just boring or they teach you things and the way they teach it, it's actually hard to learn from it or takes account for who you kind of become as a player. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. when you're younger, you kind of just do a sport because it's fun. You know what I mean? I mean, I still think the sport's fun, but... It's obviously more of a, we're not really exactly playing games all the time or <laughs> that type of thing. But I definitely... But do you still play games though? That's the thing. Like, is your... Oh, yes. Well, in England, we played touch rugby as our warm-up, which is pretty fun. Um, or sometimes bounce, like uh, one touch, one bounce with the big tennis ball thing, which is kind of, kind of fun. But we don't really play like too many games because it's... You know, we're at that level now, I feel like, adults. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Full-time athletes. But you, you know. still almost want something like that, just so, like yeah. you say, like little things that you did back when you were younger within the sport to keep you in there and grow that love, but then you also think, yes, we're competing and we're on a like a international level, but there is that opportunity to still be able to have fun so you can still have that love and still keep going. Because mm-hmm. we talked, um, we had... Uh, our last episode with um, our basketball coaches talking around that level of fun and competitiveness and intensity and when yeah. does that sort of, how does that balance, balance. and when does that mm-hmm. become, you know, more than what the other one is. And I, I get it, like when you move into the international stage, there is that level of competitiveness, but I can always argue there's still opportunity to have have fun in there as well, which is cool. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think that's kind of why we probably play touch as like a, Warm up. Even now, also while I'm back, we did a few. I came down to do a few judo sessions at Gisborne Judo Club. We play football as a warm up. I mean, I'm not great at football. Not as good as I used to be when I was younger. I think I definitely prefer touch rugby over um, football. But I feel like that even kind of is, you know, it's a little fun, you know, gets you kind of a little bit warmed up for your session. But I, I do see judo as fun. Like even doing straight randori, which is just like fighting. I love that. I love just going out to fight the boys and just try to beat them up. I get thrown a lot more than I throw, but that's what I like though, because it challenges me to not get thrown the next time or to work on how to not get that person to throw me. It's, you know, I like the, the thinking all behind the trainings. Now that's cool. You are part of the Tairawhiti Rising Legends. Has being a part of that program benefited you with your judo career? And then what from the program has helped? TRL, Tairawhiti Rising Legends, was very helpful and a beneficial program. There were many courses that I liked doing throughout the two years I was in there. But the one thing I think that has helped me in my career was definitely the media training, Mm. as I feel like I said you know, before, and speech giving, because I, I struggled a lot with speaking and speech when under pressure. I mean, I still struggle sometimes with my R's and my W's, but especially when it came to, like, the Commonwealth Games and having to be 
interviewed straight after a fight definitely like took me back to my TRR days and I was like okay if I'm under pressure if I need to think about a question don't just say um or freak out just pause think about what you want to say and then say it and I was actually giving I was given quite a few compliments on my um speeches after I was interviewed I was like that's good because I took TRL, so that's how I learnt to speak when under pressure. Well, that's a that's a pretty good reflection on the program. Yeah, no, it's awesome. I loved it, and I'm so grateful that I got to be in it for two years. Definitely helped, and you made friends that did other sports, and you get to kind of just like mingle. And my cousin did as well. One year, my cousin Kelsey Tenity, yep. she's like in the New Zealand Sevens or something like that now, something crazy. It's it's actually quite neat because when I look back at your, I think, 2018 group, and there's quite a few people still out there, yeah. like, smashing it, mm, doing Brianna really well. Brianna Irving. Yeah, yep. Safi. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, crazy, eh? Yeah. No, it's it's great to see, and it's it's awesome. That's really cool to see. So looking at your, your support network, what does that look like in terms of family, judo club, or, or other people? For my support, I'm very grateful and blessed to have the people around me and who support and believe in me. So like my friends, all my family, the Gisborne Judo Club, the Cambly Judo Club back overseas, as well as HSPNZ, High Sports Performance New Zealand, that has also helped me as well. Takes a village to raise a child, or whatever the saying is. My mum loves that saying. Yep. No, you're bang on. You got it right. <laughs> and I think that if I, not saying if I didn't have support, I'd struggle. Actually, no, I think I would. I think if you don't have that network behind you, it can be, I think it can be very hard because to do it alone. I mean, I could have not imagined to do it alone. Like, if it's already kind of a little bit hard, even with lots of support behind you, I wouldn't want to put that onto anyone having to do that alone without any people, you know, with judo or any other type of sport. If you don't have that group of people that you know have your back or, or with you through your whole journey and your whole you know, where you want to go, think, yeah, it takes, it would be really hard. So I'm very grateful, very, very grateful to have a really big team behind me. Even Gisborne has also been, a, you know, awesome support group and to know that people woke up in the early hours of the morning to watch me at the Commonwealth Games or people who are still watching my yearly competitions, it's really nice, definitely makes me feel good about myself and because that's a big thing too isn't it like you've you've moved to the uk camberley mm-hmm. and to that the judo club there what was the reason for heading to to camberley well funny story i wasn't even meant to go to camberley <laughs> <laughs> um which i'm glad i did but my original plan was to go to the netherlands because there was a training for like camp kind of facility there as well but at the beginning of the year, they were very in and out of lockdowns, so they weren't very reliable, the country itself. So my coach Kiki knew Luke Preston's wife from back in the day, Carly Dixon. We asked if 
I could come there and then she said yes you're more than welcome to come so I went there and there was already two New Zealanders that were already there as well so that kind of worked out ever since then I haven't really looked back about going anywhere else like I love Camberley I love the the team there I love just the it's such a family vibe and there's no negative people we all love judo and I love like 20 people like it's a big big group like yeah. you know so I love it it's just a very interesting group of just crazy people all very different personalities but then we've all got the same passion which is for judo was the move based on like you wanted for for competition you needed Mm -hmm. to move from new zealand to be able to find that competition or what was the was there another reason yeah no that was that's pretty much it really judo in new zealand is very very little compared to overseas like, I think I got an awakening when I went overseas in, like, the first time, basically, just to see that judo was so big, so adored by everybody. It was just crazy to think that that was how it was like. And just the training as well is better over there because um, New Zealand doesn't have any full-time clubs or anything. And also it's easier being closer to the countries you need to travel to for the competitions. But I did originally go to Cambly for just six months up until the Commonwealth Games to prep and to qualify for them and then came home for three months and I was like, I'm going to go back. So I worked and I did my visa and then headed back over in November last year and then I basically was there up until mid-November this year and then I've been back in Gizzy since. But... It's, yeah, I just love it there. It's yeah. awesome. The training, I feel like I've gotten stronger. My judo's gotten better. A lot has happened while living there, like my black belt or my results. I'm just so grateful and so lucky that they welcomed me with open arms and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else, really. So let's just talk about results. Bronze medal at the Commonwealth Games. That's like... A massive achievement, and you had to fight someone that you yes. you fight against at Camberley, <laughs> Sarah Hawks. So, can you take us through that? Like, what are the feelings, the emotions? Yes, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> so that bronze medal fight with Sarah, who, the, by the way, is a very sweet and funny, very nice friend. As soon as I realised I had to fight her for the bronze medal. I knew it was going to be a hard, big fight just because I have been training with her. We knew each other's style, what we threw with. It was Even in trainings, it was always like a very close fight who would throw each other and who would throw each other more. So it was definitely, yeah, we already knew each other's tricks. But I know for a lot of people, when it comes down to fighting a friend or someone you know, in your category and you've got to fight them for like a a medal fight. Your friends off the mat, but then on the mat, it's every man for themselves. You've got to be selfish in the sport. You know, you're not going to be nice to them on the mat because what's the point then, really, you know? Like, I would never, even back in the day, like if just had like a local club competition, if I had to fight my cousin... I wasn't going to go easy, you know. Like, we're cousins off the mat, but then on the mat, 
you know, you're not going to go out there and let them win, really. And I mean, at the Commonwealth Games as well, it's not like I was going to... And apparently, right before, it looked like she, someone was saying how her face, facial expressions looked like she was going to kill somebody or something like that. Someone said something along those lines. I mean, it's, it's hard, though, as well, because I knew that it was most likely going to be her last Commonwealth Games. But she was really not, like good friends again afterwards I even went to her wedding this year that was great but yeah no I I love the girl and it's just that's the kind of the other part of judo that people don't really see is that you know if you make good friends in your own category and then you've got to fight them it's it's hard but you kind of just focus yeah 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 describe the emotions during the fight or afterwards during the fight and then after the fight during the fight, I was so scared. <laughs> I was so stressed out. I was so nervous, which is all the emotions you kind of want to feel, because you know you gotta you gotta get yourself in the zone. But when the camera was following me when I was walking out, which was actually it was a good walkout song. It was Eminem's. Um, these things, arms are heavy. I don't know the, the song, but yeah, it was actually a really good walkout song. And I've never had a walkout song before, so I was like, I felt kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> but then I looked down at the camera and I started giggling because I, I've never had that before. So it was such a weird experience just to have like a camera just follow you walking out. So I looked down and I just started cracking up, laughing. And I was like, oh no. And then I got back myself in the zone though, so mm. that's good. But. That was kind of funny. But then during the fight, yeah, I just was just thinking and strategizing because obviously I already knew what she was going to do, what I was going to do. But then when I won, when I got the score, I was going to cry. I was so emotional. I was so, you know, dreams, my dreams came true, got on the podium at the Commonwealth Games. I think I just had so many emotions but yeah, it was just such a, a relief. All that six months of hard work trying to qualify, trying to train, trying to get better in my judo worked. And it was really nice. I mean, I, I always say this. I mean, I'm very, very grateful to be on the podium. But it could have been a gold. But then also it's okay because I am grateful that I did get on the podium. But then there's always that, like I was saying earlier, the, the, the what ifs. What if I didn't mess up in my semi-final because I've beaten the Indian before and I've beaten the, the person that got gold. So it's, you kind of look at it, you're like, oh, bittersweet, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yes, I'm happy, but yes, I could have got that extra higher on the podium. But, I mean, I'm, I was only 19, so young, you know, so I, yeah. I need not be so hard on myself sometimes and just enjoy the you know the little the good moments and just not worry about the the, the you know the what ifs so that's i think one thing that you learn with maturity and with growing up is that you just you do you know appreciate everything a lot more yeah no nah, well definitely i can i know back home there's a lot of pride mm-hmm. in you like especially when we saw you winning that one that was that was massive I'm just going to rattle off a few results that we've seen this year. Mm-hmm. Judo New Zealand Judoka of the Year. Fifth at Oceana Open. Third at Pan American Ocean Senior Champs. You got a gold in Scotland earlier in the year. And ah, second in Rome European Open. 
And then you created New Zealand history at the Zagreb Grand Prix. First New Zealander ever to medal. Your hard work is paying off. You can see that. I suppose the question I probably want to ask is, is where where are we heading? Like, what, what's our what's Sydney's goals? Wow, just hearing you say all those results from like this year put into one sentence is crazy, and I've got the biggest smile on my <laughs> face, especially with the history making one. I just I love it, <laughs> like the taste of like making history and it just makes me want to make more history like it's just such an amazing feeling just to know that I'm like the first person to ever do it is just crazy and it's it's an amazing feeling and I like it so I want to make more (laughs) (laughs) so definitely three Olympics I want to achieve so next year the next one and then the next one don't even know if there's going to be another Commonwealth Games with whatever's happening now at the minute with, yep, with the country wanting. Yeah. So it might not even happen because it's too expensive for countries. I don't know. So so I think Olympics will just look at that at the minute, which, I mean, you know, that's even huge itself just saying that. Like the fact that if I go, which most likely, just to say that, like, I'm an Olympian, just that word itself is just so crazy to me. That it's just literally a childhood dream to just do that and I'll be happy for life. <laughs> but yeah, those are definitely... So where do you sit at the moment with the Olympics for the first... Well, this, this one coming. Paris, yeah. Like, how, are you far away from achieving that, like getting there? Or is there a few things that you have to do beforehand? Yes and no. So at the minute, I am sitting qualified on the list, on the Olympic ranking list. So I'm qualified. I just got to stay there for the next few months. So I've got to get results. I've got to be winning fights. That's achievable. And then I think I've also got to get selected by Judo New Zealand or the New Zealand Committee, which I mean... If I'm getting results, I wouldn't see why they wouldn't select me because that's what they like and that's what they want. You know, they want the results. So I'm sure if they didn't pick me, I mean, I mean, it would suck, but it wouldn't make sense. You know, it'd start a bit of beef, probably. <laughs> <laughs> it's very achievable. But people get into a head of themselves sometimes already calling me an Olympian and I'm like, oh, nearly future, future Olympian. Not there just yet, but... I just let, I'll just let them carry on. They can say it if they want. I won't stop them. With that Zagreb one, the Grand Prix, so the first medal, I think you got a bronze medal at that, came third. There was no coach. You didn't have your coach with you in that Mm-mm. match. No. Well, the whole tournament or just the match? No, the whole the tournament. The whole tournament. So, yeah. like, how does – talk me through that. Like, having no coach there, and I, th- I suppose with judo, there's, there's always that someone that you can look sort of back to or, yeah. or talk to. How does that work in in a competition like that? I even didn't have a a coach in Rome when I got second. So I'm definitely used to it. We don't really have me, like, I don't really have a coach with me that often at competitions just because they kind of can't afford to send one over or no one can. Or, you know, sometimes a coach will come, but it's on their own expense. So it's, you know, that's always going to be an issue probably but I don't know I feel because I have experience with no coach I kind of already had routines 
that helped me to do my own thing. I mean, I already had the slapping. Like, as just because I didn't have a back slap doesn't mean I'm not going to. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't come down to the coach in the chair. It comes down to your performance on the mat. The coach is just there to just kind of give a few, just a few pointers. But really, it's you on the mat doing all the work. So you might as well just do what you remember doing in training. And with the studying, like I would, I would message Luke. I just messaged him. I was like, what do I do during this fight? And he just sent me like, oh, this is a left-hander. Do this throw. And I basically would just then have that in my mind right before going up and just do exactly, basically what he told me to do. As well as just having that like confidence in myself as well. And I feel like when you get results in other competitions, your confidence just, you know, spikes. And when you beat people who are like seventh in the world or who got fifth at the Olympics, you know, that's a big confidence booster. So that helped um, from Rome. But yeah, Zagreb. I I just I also had another teammate there though, so she was also kind of like I would look up to her maybe in the stands, and you know she might say do like a hand action or something, or I could. You kind of block everything else off, like you can hear what you only want to hear, especially with your, if you've got a coach in your chair, you're just so you just you can only hear them, you can't hear the stands or nothing, but I could hear her, which was really helpful. Yeah, I just gave it everything. Every single fight, I just gave it 110%. And trust me, in the morning, I was feeling it. <laughs> that was like the most fights I think I've ever had. I think I had five fights, and all of them were like decently long fights. But the feeling after it, I was so happy. Like there was no words to describe. Just And then I was just getting so many messages, and just I was so... I was through the moon. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I've done it. It was such a feeling. I love it. Absolutely love it. That wasn't the first time that I made history this year. There was um, a comp called Masters, which is the top 26 in the world that go like get invited to it, and you can go, which was in Hungary this year. And I won my first fight. And no New Zealander has ever won a fight at Masters before. Wow. So I was, even though I lost my second fight, I mean, she ended up winning the competition, so I'm not that cut about it. But to win that fight, and she's she was six, she's 16th in the world, and she's winning Grand Slam, she's winning Grand Prix, and I, you know, threw her in a, you know. When you when someone like that you threw is winning comps, it makes you look good, you know? And so... That was also a bloody feeling to have to make history there as well. What does next year look like in terms of the the schedule, like heading into Olympics? Full on. Yeah. Yes. Oh <laughs> my goodness. This is so that's why it's kinda of good to come home, reset, refresh, you know, kinda of get my mind away from the judo world for a bit because I've already got I think four comps or five comps I'm going to next year. I've got my first one is the Scotland one, which is kind of just like a warm-up to the year just to get me, you know, kind of in the comp zone again. And then we've got my first big one of the year in Portugal again. So we've got Portugal and then I've got a training camp in Belgium and then I've got Paris Grand Slam, which I went to this year as well. So 
and there's a training camp after that one as well. And then I'm also going to Rio for the Pan American Championships. That one's also before the Olympics. And oh, there was a f- two more other ones. I can't think of them at the minute because as I just said then, that was already quite a lot, you know. So it's going to be busy, which I mean, I don't mind because you get to travel and it's, you know, it's pretty awesome. Like I've never been to Rio. Like that's just crazy to me. So yeah, I feel very lucky, very, very nervous for the year, but excited to get back into it. Yeah, definitely. But it's nice to be home. But then it's also nice to just get back into that full-time athlete zone again. So home is your reset, yeah? Mm-hmm. Even though I'm technically not really resetting. I'm at the gym every day and um, I was at the judo sessions, but those are finished now for the year. But I, even if I did come home for just the reset, I think I would be in the gym all the time anyway. I love the gym. It's like yeah. my happy place. I love just going there and then leaving feeling really good and like I've done something proactive for the day. When you were growing up here and you had judo and when it started to get into that competing side of things, what was the balance like with school and sport? Yeah, yeah, I thought this was coming up, not going to lie. <laughs> school just wasn't for me. Like I just knew that I was just, you know, I was just an athlete. It's probably not the best message to put out there. Don't do schoolwork, be an athlete. But sometimes school's not for everyone, though. You know, sometimes it's not bad if you don't go to university or you don't get a degree, a bachelor or anything. And you want to just go travel the world and you want to be free-spirited or anything. Like, it's your life, you know. You only get to live one of them. And I feel like that's one thing I very... I like to say a lot. I like to say YOLO. (laughs) Which I bet my friends probably think is really cringe, but it is like that though. You know, you only live one life, so why live it in someone else's shadow or in someone else's dreams? Do what you want to do. And school just wasn't for me. And I don't see that as a bad thing. Actually, funny story, my dean at the end of the year, in year 13, it was like the leavers dinner. And I think she said, Sydney, you're a very good example of someone who doesn't need level three NCEA to go off and do something next year. And I was like, oh, thanks, miss. That's really good. Because <laughs> I did actually, I did end up going to study in Taranaki at the WIT, Western Institute of Technology. And I did level four sport and fitness. So I do have a qualification as a PT. I mean, you know, I did a study that I like to do, so I I didn't mind studying for that because it was actually something I enjoyed doing, which is fitness. So I guess it kind of, like, worked out, you know? It's Again, it's a balance, isn't it? And, like, you were lucky enough to have sport that could provide those life lessons and and those values and, yeah. And I think you probably, obviously, you've learned quite a lot from that and it's made you the person that you are. When I was younger, my youth age very young even I'm not that old now but when I was younger I did struggle with bullies and not really having many friends um I'm not like I don't let that define who I am you know I it's happened it was in the past you kind of got to move on you grow from it but like I don't really mention that all the time just because it's nothing I'm ashamed of but you kind of don't want people to feel sad for you. You don't want them to feel bad for you. 
I love the person who I am today. I didn't really let the bullies try to like bully me down to not make me be who I am. And it's kind of funny because I see some of the bullies now or, you know, they see me or they follow me now on Instagram and it's just like, well, yeah, I know what you did to me when I was younger, so don't go think we're friends now. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I feel like it was while doing judo, it was good to go there and I could be myself and I could learn self-defense and I could, you know, go there and just leave it all outside the walls, which I still do today, really. Like if I'm in the at the judo club, all my worries, everything that's going on around me, out the door, and then when I'm in the on the mat, I'm just me and I'm happy and it's just good vibes. And I've always known how to block that or stuff off, mm-hmm. you know. But, yeah, that was definitely hard growing up but I don't know that gets me now too much (laughs) but the UK banter can sometimes put off a bit of a bully vibe but that's just because that's just how they are but (laughs) it's definitely um, sometimes not 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 PTSD but then sometimes if you know they've done a joke that's too far it just takes me back to like when I was younger and all that so I don't know how to word that properly but <laughs> but I think like as you talked before how judo like there's that mental focus and I mm. think you've you've highlighted the staying positive you've got that drive mm-hmm. like you can you can hear it in the story that you're telling you've got this drive that you want to succeed yeah but I think also on the flip side of that you are so humble it's amazing and, and, and it'd be cool to like if you are able to reflect on it like where that sort of came from Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> I think this definitely comes with growing up, that kind of maturity. Especially where I live, you everyone wants that same thing, you know. And if you do well at a comp and then you come back, you're not going to rub it in their faces because they want that as well. And I I always feel, not the right words doesn't feel bad, but I just I want everyone to do well. And I want everyone to get the results they want to get. But judo is such a tough world. And it's like, not you know, I always sometimes lose. And then other people do well. I'm like, yes, you know, like, I'm glad they did. And just being in that world. And also being raised by, you know, Kiki and Jason and all of them. And having that discipline that I grew up with and my family. And I feel like, you know, it just, I'm not going to say it comes naturally. Because that's a bit not exactly the right words but I just I feel like everyone has like you know wants to do well so you don't want to rub it in anyone's face and I feel like everyone's got dreams and everyone's wants to achieve things and everyone should get to be able to do that I don't know if those are the right words there's a photo I saw online of you and it was one of your friends, I think, competing. I'm not too sure which competition it was at. You were in the stands. Oh, yes. And it was like you were like leaping out of your seat. Yeah. And it was hilarious because there were actually people around like looking back at you because <laughs> you were like yahooing yeah. and like, screaming out to your mate. And, and yeah. that's like, that just, it was I, awesome to see because it was almost like, yes, there, there's Sydney. Yeah. yeah. I feel like you got to support each other, you know? You, you're all at the same comp. You're all doing the same thing. And I know that they're going to do that for me. I don't know. I feel like I don't, you know, and I just got such good friends and I just love cheering. 
you know, as I was saying, like, you know, teamwork. Well, it's just one big team, really. Mm. Judo team, like the Judo New Zealand team, the Canley Judo Club team. You know, you're always in a you're always in a team. You're not really alone unless you're at a comp alone, and that's kind of hard being there. But we're all we all do the same thing, you know. Yeah. A couple more questions just to finish off. How has failure set you up for later success? So, have you had any experiences or anything that hasn't gone the right way of how you wanted to do, but you've learned from it and come back a lot stronger? Yeah, definitely. You need to know what it's like to fail to know what you want. To succeed, if you get what I mean, you gotta fail to get that like that drive and that motivation and that hunger for success. And I feel I have I've had many moments where it's like maybe I lost my bronze medal fight and I was just like, oh, now now I want to get on the podium. Or even when the bronze medal fight, it just made me more hungrier for the gold. Yes, failing and you know not losing and it sucks. But you use that, 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 you know, that feeling of feeling like it sucks. And you use that and you're like, yes, okay, I'm going to go out there now. I'm going to train harder in the gym. I'm going to train harder in the club. You know, it's just you're going to do everything you now can do to get that what you want. And I feel like I do that every time, especially in Perth, the fifth. I was doing so well at that comp too, so I'm happy with how I went. But now that just makes me want to, like, go out there now and just demolish those other girls and just get on the podium. Because I was, I think I was pretty close to, like I had a very close fight with um, a Serbian who um, I lost to at the Worlds. Even in the Worlds it was kind of a close fight, but the fight in Perth was even closer. Like the next time I fight her, she's not going to win, that is for sure. And I think there was also someone else I fought, Italian, 10 seconds was left on the clock. She had a point. I didn't have anything. I picked her up, slammed her on her back, and won. And I was just, and she was so mad afterwards. I felt bad because, you know, you think you're winning, and then 10 seconds left, you get absolutely bombed. It's probably not a great feeling because you thought you were about to win it, but that's just, you know, 10 seconds is a long time in a, a fight. Because it's a four minute fight, and four minutes sometimes feels like forever, but then it's like, 15 seconds you could throw them you know so it's just depends on how the fight's going but i like it i like it. even just reflecting on what you're saying there is like little things you never give up yeah 10 seconds to go you're one point down you exactly. never give up and you can apply that across all sports like hockey rugby mm-hmm. football whatever there's still time on the clock mm-hmm. you exactly. still got opportunities to do things and even that failing or losing or in that sense a, a competition a game but then like coming back and being better, like mm-hmm. knowing that you've got to do a bit more, knowing that you've got to train a little bit harder. All of those things are quite important pieces to the puzzle of where you want to go and how you want to be like later on. So Yeah, for sure, I honestly. Like yeah. yeah, that's really cool. There's actually, um, in the Pan Americans, uh, my bronze medal fight with the Venezuelan, she's actually been in me twice beforehand. So I knew that the third time, I wasn't going to let her win because the other two times I could have had her. I'm I'm not going to let them get past the three the three markers. Then you, I'm just obviously you know I'm training gym hard and this and that. So I'm like okay, well then the next time I got to win it then and that's just what I've done. So <laughs> hopefully the th- the the three markers just my mark maybe I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, for sure. Last question. 
What does the value of sport mean to you? Value of sport to me, well, sport is like a universal language. It brings everyone together. It's a way to challenge ourselves mentally and physically. It helps you stay fit and active and to push our limits and to discover and surprise ourselves with what we're capable of. It's a great way to connect with others who have the same passion as me and create so many life skills, such as, you know, teamwork and discipline, determination, even self-motivation. I feel like it's a really good one and one that you kind of have to have as well in just everyday life, you know. Sometimes you're like, oh, I don't want to go to the gym. But it's like, well, actually, you know what? I'm going to get my bum to the gym, you know, which I think is really important to have. Also, the value of sport can it can mean different things to different people, though. That that's this that's just my take on it. But yeah, that's my little. I read that down though, so I was a little bit prepared. I love it. it probably sounded like I read it too, but no, I, no, no, no. <laughs> like that. Honestly, it's cool. It's it's a nice little reflection on on what we just been saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah, what we've been saying, and I think like when everyone like we use this question each time and Mm -hmm. people just it's that chance to reflect and just go this is what it means to me Mm -hmm. and this is how powerful it can be to me as well thanks sydney like honestly (laughs) this chat has been awesome like absolutely Mm -hmm. awesome i'm so grateful to be able to sit across from you and and chat to you i just like i said before i love your positivity i love how humble you are i love your drive i think on behalf of everybody that's listening um, to this episode like we're just gunning for you for the Olympics thank you where you want to head we're right behind you we're just yeah cheers we just love it so um, thank I you again being for here. Your... this was fun yeah this was good yeah <laughs> I love it it's been honestly a privilege to chat to you today and I hope the parents the coaches the little kids out there that dream to um, be where you are today I hope they get something out of today and I'm, I'm sure they will but it's been a privilege so thank you so much thank you